This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for the Therapeutic Green Room with psychologist Simi Desor. to the Therapeutic Green Room, the space in between where we can talk about concerns, worries, challenges, thoughts and joys with me, Simi Desor. I'm a registered psychologist working here in Christchurch, New Zealand, and today I want to talk about love languages. Whether it's someone such as your partner, your child, your teen, a friend, how do you express your affection? and appreciation towards that person. Many years ago, my mother-in-law gave us the book titled The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Since then, I've come across other books by him related to children and teens as well. In these books, Chapman outlines ways that we can express our feelings, love and care for people in our lives by spending quality time with them, using words of affirmation, giving meaningful gifts, using physical touch, and also through acts of service. So there are many ways that you can offer expressions of affection, appreciation, and love. Now, it's important to use all these languages from time to time, but one or two or three of them may speak loudest to someone at any given time. But before we get into the love languages, I want to begin by saying that I don't consider these to be an evidence-based practice, but I do find love languages to be very useful tools, and I often make use of them in my work with clients. I use them when I discuss self-care, when I talk with parents about expressing affection for their children and teens, and also with spouses. I've often found Whatever the issues people are experiencing, my clients are often not hearing and feeling that they're loved and that they matter. The five love languages approach to communication wasn't developed based on clinical research, but due to its popularity, some research has been done on its effectiveness since the book was released in 1992. However, even the small amount of data on love languages is mixed. For example, a 2000 study indicated that the five love languages can be more effective as a framework than other approaches to helping couples in particular communicate. But couples research conducted in 2017 suggests that the five love languages only work when both spouses exhibit appropriate self-regulatory behavior. In other words, the love languages concept works if both partners are able to control and change their own behavior. Now, these five love languages may not be based on clinical research as collective, but if we broke them down, we'd notice that there are components of the languages that are involved with research. For example, What Chapman calls words of affirmation can involve specific labeled praise. Acts of service can involve random acts of kindness, and we know that the research relates to these 
as part of well-being. Further, consensual physical touch with hugs is also shown to have positive impact on us. So, links can be made to a number of evidence-based components. With people I work with, the framework of the five love languages works effectively as a communication and connection tool. For example, a woman who was feeling a bit distant from her partner began to talk about how all she wanted was a bit of time with her partner to be told he loved her and she also wanted a hug. He, on the other hand, went and mowed the lawn on one particular day. That was the day she needed him to spend time with her. She felt upset. After we chatted, she went home and was able to say that that was what she had wanted to her partner. He said he could see she was sad at the time, so he'd left her inside for some alone time and decided to help around the house instead. Once they spoke to each other, they were able to not just express their thoughts about the situation and their needs, but they could also act on them. I also remember a 10-year-old child in therapy saying to me that all he wanted was his dad to spend time with him. Once we put quality time in place for the boy and his dad, the boy's behavioral issues declined. I find the same with teens. I've had countless teens say to me that they used to get hugs from their parents, but now that they're big, they don't get hugs anymore and their parents don't spend time with them. Independence doesn't mean that we don't need connection. The love languages remind us how we can connect in and outside of therapy sessions. We often have love languages that we speak and love languages that we hear. And many times these love languages can fall out of alignment with each other. But if we can become mindful of each other's love languages, we can go a long way towards resolving some of the issues encountered in our relationships with the people in our lives, not just our personal lives, but our work lives and overall lives as well. Remember, for example, when someone offered you a kind word, act, or some time or thought at work or on a bus? So let's talk a bit more about these love languages. I'll work through each one, one at a time, and they're not in order of ranking, but I will number them. The first one is words of affirmation. This is where you use words to affirm someone. For example, when my husband says that he loves the dinner and I'm a great cook, I feel acknowledged. When my daughter says, I love you, mom, you're the bestest, I feel good and my tank starts to fill up. Similarly, when I see clients that I'm working with, I often encourage the use of specific labeled praise. When you say to a child, I love the way you've tidied up all your toys. The child will feel fantastic and is likely to do the same again. If you or the person you're with enjoy words of affirmation, the things that will not be helpful are the assumption that they know how loved they are without words. The assumption that they know how good they are without verbal acknowledgement. The assumption that they know you are proud of them, again, non-verbally. They'll also not appreciate non-constructive criticism. 
Another thing that might be an issue is if you don't recognize and appreciate the efforts that they've made. Another thing that might not sit well with them are emotionally harsh words because these words will stick and replay for them over and over again. Remember, they're sensitive to words. However, if you bestow words of affirmation, then a number of things can be used, such as compliments, affirmations, kind words, encouragement, appreciation, and a listening ear without judgment. Another love language, number two, is quality time. Quality time is all about giving the other person your undivided attention. If quality time is going to be used, remember to give someone your full attention. Focus on being present and make eye contact. Gentle, sustained eye gaze can help people feel that you are present and that they matter during that time. Looking at someone talking to them, and being engaged in the experience of connecting through quality time is what's going to matter. Whether it's your spouse, child, a friend, or a colleague, spending a bit of time being present may be much needed. If you or the person you're with enjoy quality time, it will not work if there are long periods of being apart, for example, parents working long hours, distracted conversations such as looking at your phone when together, spending time with other people but not with each other, long periods without one-on-one time, even when busy. If you or the person you're with enjoys quality time, they will want and need uninterrupted and focused conversations, one-on-one time, time together even if it is just running errands together, face-to-face conversation, and most importantly, your whole attention. The third love language is physical touch. Physical touch is most often confused with sex. While sex is a part of an intimate relationship, physical touch is not just about sex. Holding hands, hugs, a tickle, things like that can all be ways of demonstrating physical touch towards a partner, children, teens, and friends. For my children, for example, physical touch is very much a language of love. In our household, we begin days by hugs. We end days with a hug. If you or the person you are with enjoy physical touch, this is what you don't need. Long periods without intimacy. I did a show on hugs a while back, and family therapist Virginia Satira once wrote, We need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. We need 12 hugs a day for growth. While that may sound like a lot of hugs, it seems that many hugs are better than not enough. So physical neglect doesn't work for someone who enjoys touch. Coldly giving affection doesn't work either, and physical abuse can have terribly long-standing effects on someone whose love language is physical touch. 
On the other hand, if you or the person you're with need physical touch, then use nonverbal body language to emphasize love. So, a lovely warm hug would do the trick. Also, you could use non-sexual touch that reinforces your presence, such as stroking somebody's shoulder, patting them on the back. Lots of simple hugs, hand-holding, and gentle touches will do the trick. The fourth love language is gift-giving. For some people, what makes them feel most loved is to receive a gift for others. Gift-giving is a way that they show their love. My children often are working away on making gifts and giving gifts. At preschool and school, they often make things to bring home, and they offer them up as precious treasures, and they're welcomed and received with love. If you or the person you're with expresses and feels love through receiving and giving gifts, they will not appreciate it if you forget special occasions. Or give dutiful, unenthusiastic gifts just because it's a particular occasion. Don't focus on materialism. Giving gifts is not about the most expensive things. A flower picked from a rose bush can mean everything in the world to someone who receives love through their gifts. If you or the person you're with enjoys receiving gifts, they will need tokens of thoughtfulness. At work, a therapy group of mine remembered my birthday some years ago and left a beautiful gift on my desk. Two years later, it continues to sit in a special spot in my office. I appreciated it then, and I continue to appreciate it now. When we make another person a priority by giving them tokens of appreciation, it's often well-received. So do remember gifts on special occasions or just because gifts. Number five, if you or the person you're with enjoys acts of service, then on many occasions, your actions will speak louder than your words. One of my husband's primary ways of expressing love and connection is through acts of service. He contributes equally to everything at home, but will go out of his way with acts of kindness. I remember leaving my phone at home recently, and he went out of his way to drop it by my office because he knew I needed it. If you or the person you're with enjoys being acknowledged and feels appreciated with acts of service, then avoid not following through with something you'd agreed to do. Also, avoid making work more important than them and ignoring requests for help. Regular chores are not an act of service or kindness because they all need to be done. If you or the person you're with feels warm fuzzies through acts of service, then the way to achieve this is by doing something that you know they would like. Acts of thoughtful kindness that go beyond what's required to be done. Assisting with chores is part of every day, but going beyond is lovely. I know my husband used to pump my bike tires whether or not I was riding my bike. I always found it to be an act of kindness and generosity. Ongoing participation in acts is also useful. Being helpful and present and generous with your effort 
in thoughtful ways. For example, I remember my daughter's teacher once said that her husband gets her breakfast and the newspaper in bed on Sunday mornings. That was an act of service that was above and beyond their everyday chores, but a special thing that he did for her. Another act of service I remember from my childhood was my grandmother massaging my hair with coconut oil when we would sit in the sun. I still remember that act of service extremely fondly. So the five love languages are tools that we can use to express appreciation, affection, and love. We can do this for others by spending quality time together using words of affirmation, giving meaningful gifts, using physical touch, and through acts of service. All five love languages are important to one extent or another, but some do speak more effectively to people either all the time or they vary depending on the situation or occasion. It might be worthwhile to show some agility in terms of yourself and others. So, for example, having quality time, words of affirmation and touch can work really well for a dear friend of mine. And these are important, but that doesn't mean she'll never want a gift. It just means that when it comes to her birthday, time together, words of affirmation and a hug will work, but a gift is just wonderful too. The same will be true of acts of service in certain situations, so it pays to become aware of what is appropriate for you and others, and also be sensitive that what may be suitable on one occasion may change on another, not because people are difficult, but because people are people. Imagine just having your favorite meal every day. While it may be wonderful, it might also be good to have some variety. Developing awareness around how your partner, your child, your friends, or your colleagues like to be appreciated and acknowledged can help smooth rough waters and maximize everyone's need to feel acknowledged and appreciated. I had a colleague say that her boss never acknowledges all the work she does, that he never walks past her desk and responds to her in kind. Imagine if he realized that was what she needed. Humans like to be acknowledged and appreciated in many different ways. If we become aware of our own needs and also of each other's, we can contribute to our wellness and each other's. Wouldn't that just change the game a little? It might just foster a sense of safety, trust, health and well-being. It might just be a motivator to continue to love and appreciate back, to work harder, to stay in a relationship, to regulate conflict and behavior better. In short, to be just more present and connected. I know from both personal and professional experience that we want to repay kindness and love with kindness and love. Sometimes it's just about taking the time and making just a bit of effort to understand how our life partners, our children, our friends and workmates need to hear affection and appreciation and to take the time to follow through and show them in the way that they will most easily receive it. 
In my experience working with people, I've learned that people can smooth things over and connect if we're willing to learn and respond to each other with respect and kindness, and we then can address each other's needs. Where there is a willingness to adapt and grow, there's always the potential for some level of connection, comfort, and even happiness, whether it's with your spouse, your children, your friends, or your workmates. So I invite you to think about the five love languages and how they play in your life. We need to be kind to ourselves and each other because in kindness and through compassion, we will find our individual and collective strength. Thank you for connecting with me today. Be well and I hope you go well.